Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Big Ten Hoops Weekly. Uh, I'm Brett, and I'm here as always with Steve, uh, and we're here to break down a couple really uh, interesting weeks in Big Ten basketball. Um, and I, I think that, you know, I think it's been a tumultuous week for the conference as a whole, um, but, you know, I think we should really just get right into it um, and start off with the best team uh, in the conference from a rankings perspective and from a performance perspective, I think, just given given the eyes test before you even break down any of the numbers. Um, and I think it's time that we give the Purdue Boilermakers their due after a great win. at I, I think it was called the was that the Legends Classic, maybe, um, and where they uh, withstood a pretty pretty good effort from a, a game UNC team uh, and then took down Villanova in a relatively convincing fashion on back to back nights. Um, so I, I think I think just to kind of get right into it, Steve, uh, what were you seeing out of this Purdue team and uh, how are you liking it so far? Yeah. So first off, uh, the tournament they were in was called the Cheese It Hall of Fame tip off. Um, just yes, to clear up any you. confusion there. Um, so thank you. This uh, this Purdue team. I mean, so they have one of the most explosive offenses in the country, which is very un-Purdue like. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I believe last I checked, they were either first or second nationally in points per game. So, you know, bare bones, like this offense is explosive, you know, and it really kind of, it, it's a multi-pronged offense for sure. But as we talked about in our preview shows, it's, it's Jaden Ivey and it's really the overwhelming post presence of, of Zach Eady as well. Um, on top of kind of, you, you combine that with timely defense and you've got kind of a, a force. I think that the, the question that's going to continue to loom with Purdue is, you know, they, they tend to overachieve in the regular season you know, in recent history, and then you don't see it come tournament time um, when they've had kind of similarly constructed teams with a lot of talent like this. But, I mean, I I think I was really impressed with how they looked in their contest against uh, Villanova, you know, a day after bending off North Carolina. Um, and I think, yeah, this team's really good. There's nothing really else to say. Yeah, I think just want to add, like, you know, we, we talk, we've talked a lot about the, the stars of this team, but the role players, Sasha Stefanovic, Stefanovic um, Brandon Newman, Isaiah Thompson, Caleb First, they're all really making timely impacts uh, whenever their number is called. And I think that gives this Purdue team a dimension that you, uh, we haven't really seen uh, in a long time. So I think kind of heading into the next the next week of games, start a conference season, I think there's going to be a lot to look at. But I, I think if I'm a Purdue fan, I, I can't be much happier with how the season has gone so far, um, especially against good competition. And I, I think that's a good way to kind of contrast with um, the, a team that has, has yeah, I have similarly high expectations, bringing back a lot of talent, uh, kind of injecting some star freshmen. Um, but Michigan's now lost uh, two of their last four games and also had uh, kind of struggled with a Tarleton state team. And I think, I think part of, um, from my eyes, that the the loss to Arizona um, was is that this Arizona team is actually going to be very good, and that's not to take anything away from them. Uh, but there were some notable struggles in 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 that game for Michigan, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, so before we get into that, I think you know when we had talked about our expectations for the conference like, as a whole, I don't think we came away with a consensus contender um, or, or front runner really for the to, to win the conference, and I think in this early sample, at least Purdue's clearly separated them from the South. But I think, I think we kind of thought, you know, Michigan, Illinois, Ohio state would kind of 
be there in the yeah. mix. You know, maybe maybe Michigan State, whatever. Um, and I think a, a lot of those teams have struggled, and we'll get into that in a second. And to your point, you know, with Michigan, the really the the thing when you think about going back to the first part of your comment, you you said Michigan's a, a team that brings back a lot of talent um, with injecting kind of freshmen, um, highly recruited freshmen kind of into there. Uh, really, when you kind of uh, double click into how this roster is constructed, it, they're really just bringing back kind of two two key players from their their team last year, and Eli Brooks and Hunter Dickinson. You know, yes, Brandon Johns is in there in the starting lineup too, and he's kind of a role player. But the rest of the key rotation guys for Michigan are are basically guys with no experience last year, and I think that's really where you're kind of seeing this team struggle is that. Yes, these are highly touted freshmen that are kind of um, have a lot of talent and even like to some degree, like look the part when they're on the court. But these guys just aren't executing in the way that, you know, you expect a top 10 team to or a, a preseason top 10 team to come in and execute. And I don't really have anything to say other than that. I mean, you, you have to make shots, you have to play defense, you have to rebound, and they're not really doing anything any of those three. And that's why the results have been the way they've been so far. Yeah. I think, I think you mentioned shooting there. They rank, they're still shooting under 30% from three for the season. Um, and you know, they've been generating some pretty decent looks, especially out of, out of, uh, getting the ball to Dickinson to initiate the offense. So, you know, you, you at least expect that as the freshmen kind of get their, get their feet wet, wet a little bit more and, and figure out the speed of the game that that'll come around. Um, and again, it's, it's, you know, I think we'll look back on in March and, they still won't have, as of now, they don't have a bad loss. You know, Seton Hall, obviously losing to Ohio State might take a little bit of the luster out of that, and we'll get there in a second. But and then Arizona, I think, will end up being a team that that sticks around as a not maybe not a national title contender, but but they'll be threatening in the Pac-12. That's that's for sure. Um, but yeah, I think I think heading into this this next slate of games that Michigan Michigan has coming up, there there's you know it, no one's panicking yet, but I think it's everyone's a little bit wary. And then turning turning to I think the other the other team of that that this podcast is a fan of Wisconsin had a very surprising win in the Maui Gym Maui Invitational that took place in the Ninth Island of uh, Hawaii as I heard eight billion times from a Jay Billis that really looked like he didn't want to be announcing any of these games um, but they then so they they take the win in Vegas um, coming back from a, a 16 point first half deficit against Texas A and M. Uh, holding on to complete an upset of Houston and then finishing off St. Mary's. And I, the, where we start there, I think, I think the, the big thing is the play of Johnny Davis. Um, you know, we had talked, you, you had been, you had put him on your preseason uh, first team, all big 10. And I had mentioned, uh, you know, I expected a second or a third team, but I don't, I don't quite think we, we uh, saw this coming. And I mean, he's, he's averaging over 20 points a game right now um, and is, was the catalyst for this Wisconsin team that, that kind of worked its way out of a couple tough spots in this tournament with him. It's not, it's not just the stats. I think everyone mm -hmm. expected a statistically improved season from him. Um, just kind of purely off of what they saw of him, you know, in, in spurts last year and what he, what he was capable of to me, what is most noticeable about him is the, how tough, the, the kind of level of difficulty on the shots that he's taking and making and at what time in the game they are. I mean, he has gone from, you know, secondary energy, secondary, secondary player, like energy bug last year to now being like their go-to Wisconsin's go-to guy. 
you know, he's got that killer instinct. He's got that clutch gene. Um, and, and really this Wisconsin team as a whole is starting to look like kind of the, the, the typical Wisconsin team of old that grinds out opponents like Houston, Houston, you know, to, to win against them, you have to win a war. Like that is a tough, gritty team mm-hmm. that can shoot and defend and gets out in transition. Um, you have to slow them down and wear them down. And Wisconsin did that incredibly impressively. And it's not just Don, Johnny Davis. I mean, we, we should talk for a second, I think, about Tyler Wall and at least give him Absolutely. his props. I did not see mm-hmm. his um, improvement uh, happening in kind of the way that it's happened so far. Yeah, I think I, he's he's uh, I, I saw some stat where he's like in the 98th percentile of, of post scorers just by by like points generated per post touch. And er, so I, I don't know exactly how accurate it was, but he's he's performing at a very high level when he gets down into the post. And sure, he's never going to be a knockdown jump shooter, but his ability and willingness to kind of like you said, just grind guys down in the post and make his presence felt. And he's also and, and is really kind of a key when this team when Johnny Davis sits, this team can have some problems generating baskets and having someone that can, can get in close to the basket and make those moves and, and be a playmaker out of the post when he needs to be is incredibly impressive. And that's before even getting to his impact on the defensive end um, where he's, he's been tallying blocks and steals at, at a very high rate so far, which is uh, interesting because he's not the, the biggest guy. Um, but yeah, his, his ability is really his ability to, to step up on both ends of the court has been a game changer for this, for this team. And it will be needed as as, uh, you know, those potential scoring drops line up. And and we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves with this Wisconsin team. But I think it's fair to say that, you know, they're they're probably in the mix with those four, four to five teams that we talked about, or at least that I mentioned earlier, as far as you know, maybe in that tier two, I guess, below Purdue right now. Um, but, you know, th- this team looks the part that they're for real. And so, you know, we'll, we'll see how that translates into conference play, but especially with kind of a, a muddied first tier, as it appears now, I think Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin's well positioned and, and kind of moving to the rest of that muddied first tier now. Um, and we talked about Michigan who struggled. Illinois has also struggled too. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe the loss to Marquette was excusable, just, you know, close loss without Kofi, but um, really, in their next two games against what I'd call legitimate opponents in Cincinnati and Kansas State, I mean, they so they they lost by 20 to Cincinnati in a game that they looked bad, um, a hu- huge number of turnovers, um, and a huge scoring drought in that game. That actually in a game when they were leading by double digits, they ended up losing by 20, not good. And then Kansas State had a similar feel to it, but they found a way to win. Um, really, you know, it's to me, it's two problems with this team. It's it's turnovers and it's like the inability to stop runs. Um, and, and you know, in some ways they they go on runs a lot, too, you know, which, which shows that they have the explosiveness that we all know that they're capable of playing with. But they just you know, they go through lapses on the defensive end and they're just so careless with the ball that it's really hard to trust this team. Yeah, I think like you said, when you're talking about Illinois, it, it's as of right now, it's got to it's got to start and end with with turnovers. I mean, they're turning the ball over for the season almost almost 25 percent of their possessions. I mean, that's just horrible for a Power Five conference. It's inexcusable, and whether that's guys like Andre Carbello not really kind of figuring out how to function, or if it's just a function, or if it's just poor coaching, I. I can't quite tell yet. Um, but I mean, yeah, they're, they've got all, all these guys that have extremely high turnover rate numbers and in, in the big 10 when, you know, conference play, when, when everything slows down, 
Um, you really have to value the ball and value each possession. And it also gets compounded when they're still not shooting the ball very well. And that was kind of a thing where you were last year, you had IO that could kind of be counted on to make, take and make difficult shots. And I'm not seeing anyone on that team that is capable of doing that. So they have to rely on ball movement and three point shooting. And both of those things are just not happening this year so far. Granted, you know, it's still early. They again, don't have a bad loss and they avoided a potential embarrassment and losing to Bruce Weber, which I can only imagine would have gone down extremely poorly in Champaign. But it, it, there's not a lot of time to write this ship uh, before before the going gets really tough consistently. Well, yeah, well, and just on that note, and we'll, we'll talk about some of this a little bit later, but um, just to uh, look into like their next six games here. So, you know, Notre Dame, Rutgers at Iowa, Arizona and Mizzou, like over the course of the next call it three weeks. Yeah, like, that's, it, it that's could get the, ugly if they don't fix this soon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's there's. There's not a lot of time before things get pretty pretty gnarly for the Illini. Um, so they they really gotta gotta figure it out soon. And also, kind of on that note, I mean, what do what do we make of Ohio State? So it, again, kind of projected to be upper echelon of the conference. They played some games that were probably closer than they should have been early in the season, particularly their opening night crazy game over uh, Akron that you know they needed to win at the buzzer to win, but gutted out a tough win over Seton Hall, who beat. Michigan, you know, so that looks like a good, good win there, but suffered a close loss to Florida um, as well in the, in the early season tournament. I mean, what do you see in them? I mean, I, I think as, as we talked about a lot, uh, it's, it's been the EJ Liddell show. I mean, he's been playing spectacularly uh, through the, the first couple weeks of the season. He's actually currently the, the current number one Ken Palm player of the year, which obviously is not, you know, it's an analytics driven award, but that means he's doing a lot of the right things on the basketball court. He's using possessions effectively. He's playing pretty good defense, but I think, I think we noticed it was, it was these, these supporting guys that really needed to start to, um, to kind of show up and, and give them more options. Um, I, I don't think the guard play has been very good. And I think that's kind of what's it. They're, they're kind of not able to always initiate offense as well as they would like. Um, Justice suing got hurt. So that's not ideal. Um, but, you know, having Kyle Young back helps Zed key obviously had the game winner against Akron and, you know, has, has been playing pretty well. Um, so I think, I think it's a question of what, when these, these guys, the new guys, especially start gelling, um, and kind of how the guard play improves from there. Cause you're, you're going to be able to go to Liddell to get baskets when you need them. Um, but that doesn't mean he can win every game for you. Yeah. So, you know, I think just kind of summing up Ohio state, I think, I think every game's going to be like this. I think they might play down to their competition in some games, but the similar to kind of Wisconsin, I think, you know, they're going to be a tough out, you know, even in games mm-hmm. when they're not necessarily the favorite. Um, and so, and and they're going to play close games that kind of come down to the buzzer. So I think the ability to have a player like a Liddell is going to be hugely important. And I think the ability to rebound um, at, at key possessions, make free throws, you know, I think we know that plagued them in their tournament loss last year. It, you know, I think that's, you know, Ohio State, we'll see if they can handle, handle kind of teetering on the edge like that over the course of a full season. But I think this is going to be emblematic of how the rest of their season goes. I think kind of, Quickly on to a few other teams here. I mean, maybe we, we go to Michigan State before we hit kind of the last couple that we want mm-hmm. to. Yeah. So, you know, Michigan State. So the, the last game they played, you know, really went up against an overmatched 
uh, an overmatched Baylor team, you know, which that didn't necessarily go so well. But they grinded out kind of two tough wins over Loyola and UConn and route to uh, the championship there, I believe in Atlantis. Yep. I mean, I don't know that anything went unexpected for them there. And as with typical Tom Izzo teams, you know, they're they're getting exposure to top 10 teams early in the season, which will probably serve them well. But I think, have, have you seen anything that makes you think that this Michigan State team is more like the teams we are used to kind of five to seven years ago versus like the team that we saw last year and maybe the year before? Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I'm seeing more of a lack of a, a, a actual scoring punch. They're not really scoring uh, efficiently compared to what, what I've seen in the past, but they've been playing very tough defense. And sure, you can you can get really nitpicky and say that, you know, Loyola Chicago, who I also just realized is coached by Denzel Valentine's brother uh, when I was watching their game. Um, but those, that game and, and UConn were a little bit closer than they should have been, especially with UConn coming off a triple overtime game the literal day before. And then I think I think the game against Baylor, much like the game against Kansas, was more about the opponent being one of the top teams in college basketball than than a sign of warning for Michigan State. But I, you know, I th- and I think we we kind of we kind of harped on this in the preseason stuff. But Tyson Walker is not the answer for these guys at point guard. He just doesn't really look comfortable running a big 10 offense. Um, and he's not really putting guys in a position to succeed. And it's, it's going to be tough for them to have any sustained success in the conference. If, if they don't kind of figure it out. Um, Cause you know, you, you will have a guy like AJ Haggard, but he can't really shoot. And it's, that's kind of, you know, they don't have a complete point guard. Um, and so I think that's going to hold them back from kind of reaching the upper echelon of the conference. Yeah, and I, I think that's similar to, like, the situation that Michigan and Illinois, and frankly, like, a, a lot of these teams putting their trust in in transfer portal point, guard, point guards, it's, um, I don't I don't know that I have a full kind of take on, you know, whether that's sustainable, but at the very least, you can say that it's, it's prone to being very hit or miss to see whether you can just plug and play a guy like that as opposed mm-hmm. to someone that you develop, you know, over the course of a couple of years, and so... Um, you know, Michigan State's team seems more balanced. Like they have a lot of guys that can put the ball in the basket, but they don't, I think, have that guy that puts fear into you. Um, and, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see how that translates into Big Ten play, because I think, as you know, it's so important that they run their offense smoothly. Um, and that they have like that explosiveness to it. And that's really what I haven't seen from them yet. And I will say they, they hung tough with Baylor for a half there yeah. um, before Baylor kind of pulled away, which again, it, it kind of to be expected, but um, I agree with you in that the point guard is really kind of the open question with this team's long-term sustainability. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we'll, we'll see Max Christie come along, but I think until he does, you're, you're hundred percent right. There's not really a guy on that team who you have kind of circled as, as the guy that will beat you. So I think that the development there is, is going to be key as we, as we kind of trend towards conference season. And then I think, I think other two other teams that we just want to briefly touch on um, Indiana and Iowa are both six and oh, albeit obviously neither of them have really played any high profile games. The biggest win I say out of the two teams would be, uh, Indiana's closer than expected win over St. John's in the Gavit games. But besides that, they haven't played a team ranked higher than 114 uh, in the Ken Palm rankings and have kind of had had trouble dispatching a couple of these teams from 
Eastern Michigan to Marshall. Um, and then, and obviously Trace Jackson Davis has, has been as advertised playing, playing really well. Um, and then on Iowa, they haven't even come close to playing anybody rate, ranked uh, that high, but the numbers love Iowa and Keegan Murray has been a stud to say the least. I think he, he, he had close to like a 30, 20 game the other day. Um, so that's been fun to see develop. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but Keegan Murray's leading the conference in scoring. He at almost 26 a game. It's not even close to the next guy, and he's actually doing it on 62% shooting from the field. So his numbers are crazy. I knew we we had him tagged as a guy to watch. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I think we'll get to this in a second. We'll find out a lot more about these teams. Um, really, actually, this week. This week. Um. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, th- I think I think uh, you know, once Iowa is making a significant jump up in in competition, um. But I think with Iowa specifically, knowing that this team was going to be really young, I think it's good to get, um, you know, some some wins under their belt and kind of see the ball go through the hoop. I'm interested. I think Indiana has a has a, obviously a higher ceiling and a higher floor than this Iowa team. So I'm I'm intrigued to see uh, kind of how the rest of these these guys and, and honestly, Mike Woodson um, come together as, as the schedule goes up. The last team we want to touch on is just Rutgers and you know I think we were unsure about Rutgers kind of going into this year but they have a a few bad losses um, you know to boat early in the season which doesn't do I think well for their uh, I think actually even like their tournament hopes right now and I know they they really I think had high expectations to keep improving um, you know, we're kind of a, a couple of plays away from a sweet 16 appearance now on a three game losing streak heading into the the challenge and then conference play with a really, uh, really tough schedule like to actually to yeah. boat in December. Um, so, you know, they've been losing these games close, which I guess, you know, maybe good sign and bad sign. But um, watch out because the wheels could fall off here soon. Um, and, and that'd be really sad, frankly, because I think everyone loves the Rutgers story. You know, it's it's a tough mm-hmm. place to play out there, and they've really been improving a lot. Um, we'll see how they handle this this first bit of adversity coming up up here. Um, and, and with that, I, I think, you know, really with the remaining time, we'll dive into kind of what to look ahead to. And what really is a, a jam-packed next week here that we have. We have the Big Ten ACC Challenge. We have conference play starting up. Brett, you want to take the, the first couple of, the games of the the challenge here quickly. Yeah, absolutely. So I think uh, the first one we had highlighted uh, will, is Illinois Notre Dame, um, and I think this is a, a key bounce back spot for Illinois um, against obviously trying to kind of trying to right the ship before things things get kind of things pick up for with their schedule as we mentioned. Um, playing a Notre Dame team that has a, had lost two out of three games in uh, the quote unquote Maui Invitational, and you know is is. Their, their only win was against Chaminade, which is like worst case scenario. So they're going to be looking to bounce back too. Um, and Notre Dame's a team that allows a lot of three-point shooting. So I think the key there is going to be kind of having Kofi not be a black hole and, and generating looks for guys um, out of out of the high post or low post. And, you know, just are they going to be able to make their shots? And, and I think something interested I'm, I'm – something I'm very interested in is – uh, watching how how they how the line I try and defend Nate Lisevsky. Um He's a guy that can hurt you. He's a big guy that can hurt you uh, from the three point line. And obviously, you know, Kofi has his defensive limitations too. So I'm interested to see how how Brad Underwood kind of approaches that game. 
I I think next next game we wanted to hit kind of moving to the Tuesday schedule. So there's there's a couple of games on Monday, um, and then the schedule really heats up on on Tuesday and Wednesday. So Indiana, we just talked about them going on the road to Syracuse. Um, I think it's a winnable game for yeah um, Indiana for sure, but also kind of a, a good first you know true uh, I think road test um, for the Mike Woodson era. Uh, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll see how they handle the zone. Um, that's always a tricky place to play. Um, so I think a good first test to see if Indiana's for real. I think the other thing I'll say, you know, it's good when these programs that are kind of in transition, they build momentum. Um, and I think, you know, this, this could be a game that catapults them to, you know, if, if they win this game, people really buy into what Woodson's doing, you know, and then you could, I think really kind of, you know, see them being a player, um, at least for a tournament bid potentially this year. Um, the, the other, I think game that I'd highlight before the marquee one on Tuesday is this Purdue Florida state game. I mean, I don't see Purdue losing this game at home, but the length of Florida state and just like the, the way that they play with like the press and they're kind of trying to speed you up. I think it'll be a different test for Purdue's offense. We'll kind of see if it causes them to turn the ball over more or if they kind of try to match speed for speed and, and keep this offense. That's just an insane pace right now. Uh, but the last game of Tuesday, which I think is the most interesting one, I mean, you have a take on Duke-Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, Duke obviously is coming off this huge win against Gonzaga um, and has the 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 size to give Ohio State fits. I, I you know, I think I think EJ will have a pretty good game. I don't know who's going to guard Boncaro. It's probably going to be Liddell, and I don't know how well that's going to go for them. Um, but also, I... You know, who's going to guard Trevor Keels? Like, Jamari Wheeler is a solid defender, but, you know, Keels was able to get into the post and just bully Kentucky uh, in their opening night matchup to the tune of, like, 25 points. He had an off game against Gonzaga. But, I, I mean, this this game more than ever is when Ohio State needs their guards and whoever else they can find to, to really step up, and I, I don't see it. I think I think Duke wins going away pretty easily there. Yeah, you know, I think to the point that I made earlier about Ohio State kind of playing up to competition, playing down to competition, you know, this game's in This, this is a different level. Yeah, I know, but it's in Columbus. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see. Um, I the crowd, you, the crowd will be with we'll them. See. It'll yeah. It's going to be it's going to be a fun atmosphere in there. Um I you know, I I don't doubt that they can hang around. I'm just in I don't know if they they will in in this to this level of talent. Um and then so moving moving into the to the Wednesday games, um the first one we kind of wanted to highlight was Michigan State, Louisville. We've already touched on on Michigan State, Louisville just coming off a win against Maryland. Do do you have a read on this? What do what are you what are you looking for? I guess as if you're a Spartan fan here. I mean, Michigan State should win this game. Like if they're, yeah. I, I mean, I, if I were a Michigan State fan and you lose this game, I would be disappointed. Um, yeah. I think they're uh, they're battle tested now to the point that like they're ready for a game like this and. You know, I, I think the the crowd there will be active again. I mean, I think as far as, you know, I, I don't know that Louisville necessarily, you know, provides like that big of a threat, you know, on the perimeter or like down low. I know they have the big guy Malik Williams averaging yeah. you know, eight and ten, um, you know, so we'll see how Michigan State's big guys, you know, Bingham in particular handles that. Um, I, I just Michigan State should win this game, you know, if they're for real. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I, th- I think to your point, you know, uh, Louisville's had a couple decent games uh, recently, but I think 
you know, th- this is why Izzo's schedule is so tough is so that they give themselves a chance to win games like this. And I, yeah, I don't see any, anyone on uh, Louisville really giving Michigan state a lot of trouble. So I think, you know, I think, I think they'll be good there, especially uh, at home. So, <coughs> and then <clears throat> two, two teams kind of reeling uh, Michigan and North Carolina um, in Chapel Hill. Again, I think this one might be the hardest to read of any of these. I think mm-hmm. marquee games. I have a tough time. I know they're both reeling. I think Michigan's probably reeling a little bit more than North Carolina. But I mean, to to kind of counter that, North Carolina's not looked good against you know their real competition. I I I feel like if I were picking this game, I'd give the edge to North Carolina. Yeah. Oh, really? Um, interesting. I was gonna I was gonna swing the other way. I think North Carolina's defense has been a problem uh, most of the season so far, and. I, I don't think that Michigan is going to give them a lot of opportunity to score. I think they still Michi- North Carolina um, is shooting a little bit above its weight class from three right now uh, compared to how most of these guys shot last year. So I think, you know, with, with an emphasis on defense, I think Michigan will be able to generate looks for Dickinson on the post. And I think that will be enough to, to kind of get a, a big road win to, to uh, kind of get everything back on track. Yeah, and we'll then the fir- first true road test for this team with a ton of freshmen. I think that that'd be my counter to that, especially you know fair. this North Carolina offense is explosive, and the Michigan defense is I think um, shown that it's not um, firm at least at this this point in the season. So you know, again, I, I think this will be an entertaining game. So I think if you're gonna yeah. pick one on Wednesday to tune into, definitely tune into this one. Yeah, um, and I'm kind of swinging the other way for the last game we want to talk about here. If you uh, like slow basketball and zone defenses and uh, deliberation and defense, uh, I would tune your I would tune your TV set to uh, whatever whatever channel this game's on. Uh, Wisconsin Georgia Tech. Uh, so you've got uh, two teams that rank, I believe. Somewhere in the 300s in in adjusted tempo, uh, Wisconsin obviously plays a very slow pace, and Georgia Tech is trying to compound that. Um, now they, they're actually middle of the pack this year, but usually play pretty deliberately. But they will throw a bunch of zones at teams, and honestly, it's not a horrible idea against this Wisconsin team. Um, again, first true road test for Wisconsin um, heading into uh, uh, to Atlanta. Something to watch for that game uh, is, I believe, six Georgia Tech players set out their last game with various injuries and and ailments. Um, so obviously that that would bring the uh, hype for that this game down a little bit. Um, and but I think you know again same kind of similar to what you were saying about Michigan, but it's it's the first true road test for a young team. Uh, Georgia Tech can get hot from deep, and I think it'll be a, an interesting stylistic challenge, um, if not borderline unwatchable. Basketball. I, I think the the thing here, you know, outside of X's and O's to watch for is is does does Wisconsin have a letdown? I mean, really coming off of a stretch where they yeah um, outperformed expectations. You know, they go in here. Um, this is this has trap game written all over it, in my opinion, just from the outside looking in. And, and yeah, no, other, I, I think I I had this one as a, as a fan. I kind of had this one circled because you know you never kind of know how you're gonna play three games in three days. You know, it's it's still a true road test. Like Josh Pastner is a good coach, and he'll have his he'll have his guys ready, assuming everyone's healthy. Well, and and yeah, just want to emphasize that last point. A friendly reminder to all casual basketball fans out there that Josh Pastner is indeed the coach of Georgia Tech, which I feel like <laughs> I forget about every time I think about this team. So they won they I, won the ACC tournament last year. People forget. 
And then I think finally, the last thing we wanted to hit on, and we'll do this super quickly here, uh, Big Ten Conference play starts uh, next weekend, um, but it doesn't start in full. So we kind of have, we have a couple of key conference games to highlight and then you know a couple of other non-conference games to highlight taking place next weekend as well. Um, first, so Rutgers takes on Illinois. Um, and I think this is, I believe this one is on Friday night. And again, kind of two reeling teams here. Illinois really will need this, I think, to get off to a good start in conference play, and they should win. But if Rutgers, which, you know, they're known for their tough, gritty defense, you know, they should be over to turn, they should be able to turn Illinois over um, and and make this one close. Um, I think, especially after both these teams kind of go through the grind of the, the challenge earlier this week. I mean, I think this one could be fairly ugly, like the Wisconsin Georgia Tech game we talked about too. Um, Iowa Purdue. Uh, will the the question here for this one also on Friday night? I uh, over or under each team scoring 125 points. Um. So for, first of all, I will say that uh, I still can't fully get behind this like weird two game conference season at the beginning of December. I it just it feels weird, and I still don't like it. That being said, um, agree. I, I, and I also will say there's a difference between the kind of ugly that Wisconsin basketball plays and whatever whatever the hell Rutgers Illinois is going to be. One is at least like they're trying to be ugly. This is Rutgers Illinois will be something. Um, yeah, I, I think you know this is this is this is where we find out if Iowa is even remotely for real. Um, the numbers still love them. They're they're ranked Iowa's 20th in Ken Palm, and I just think they're going to get the blows the doors blown off of them by by Iowa by Purdue um I you know you've got this Purdue team that's really hitting its stride and has already beaten top level I mean you know you run the risk of overlooking a a, you know an Iowa team you really should beat but I think this is where we really see someone actually turn the clamps on Iowa and uh I, I do not think it will be will be pretty for them uh I do think Purdue might actually score 120 points though that that is that is correct and then so, yeah, the, I think I don't think it'll be particularly close. The the final conference game I want to give a shout out to um, Indiana Nebraska. So you know we haven't talked much about Nebraska on here. Um, for those unaware, um, Bryce McGowan's actually sixth in the conference in scoring. Um, you know I, I, I think uh, well I don't know maybe we expected that maybe we didn't but that'll be a, I think a player to watch in that game and I think you know. Again, opportunity. We'll see how Indiana does against Syracuse. Opportunity for them to get off on the right foot in conference play, but also an opportunity for Nebraska to surprise some people, um, especially if Illinois drops that, if Indiana drops that game to Syracuse and kind of comes in a little bit reeling. Um, I think the other two things quickly that I'd mentioned before we wrap up: two interesting non-conference games to watch. Um, Wisconsin and Marquette, I guess, renew their rivalry, if you want to call it mm-hmm. that. Um, and then San Diego State. Uh, uh, goes to Ann Arbor. Um, I, I guess we'll call that the the Steve Fisher the Steve Bowl. Steve Fisher Bowl. Yeah. Brian Dutcher, head coach, of San Diego State, former, uh, uh, former player at Michigan as well. So that will be an interesting game to watch too. Um, any takeaways um, or anything else you want to tell the 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 fans, Brett, before we drop off here? Yeah, I think you know Mar- Marquette Wisconsin always ends up being a weird in-state rivalry game that you know, kind of it's, I, I hate to use a, a, an old cliche, but you kind of really got to throw the record books out. Marquette, obviously big win over Illinois kind of rebuilding in their first year uh, under Shaka smart. But, you know, I think 
with they they won on a on a last this game on a last second tip in this year, so I'd expect uh, Greg Gard to have his guys ready uh, and and focused for that, especially potentially coming off of a of a t- what could be kind of a tough game in uh, in Atlanta against Georgia Tech. Um, and then I think yeah, like you know, like you said, uh, Brian Dutcher bringing his guys to Ann Arbor. Um, I think this is another another one where we're going to see Michigan face a, a, a defense that could give them fits. San Diego State really does the good job does a good job historically and and this year as they rank uh, 13th in defensive efficiency per Ken Palm. Um, and if if they can kind of bother Devonte Jones and and Caleb Houston, I think and and you know those guys kind of ignore Hunter Dickinson in the post again. I think that it could be another long night for Michigan if they can't get anything going offensively. And besides that, uh, we would love to hear from you guys. Uh, any anything you guys want us to highlight? Any questions you have? Can send uh, an email to big one zero hoops weekly uh, at gmail.com. So that's big ten, the number ten hoops weekly. Or uh, find us on Twitter at big one zero hoops wkly. It was really rough out there looking for a username, so that's what we went with. And uh, yeah, we're we we're really back in the swing of things right now and it is good to be back with a full slate of college hoops uh we'll have a lot of a lot of stuff for you guys next week as we kind of head into the beginning of conference play and and recap some of the stuff we're going to see this week so thanks again for listening and we will see you next time